Welcome to the Transform Your Wedding Podcast, a how-to guide for taking your wedding to a whole new level. Here's your host, Marie Kubin from Rent My Wedding. Hey everyone, today we're talking about how to hire the best florists. I'll be chatting with Eddie Zaratzian. He is the visionary behind Eddie Zaratzian Lifestyle and Design, a full-service event design and production studio based in Los Angeles, California. Eddie has been recognized as a top five international florist by the London Financial Times, along with features in Martha Stewart, Harper's Bazaar, and many more. So I hope you enjoy learning all about florals. Hey, Eddie. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, I'm really excited to talk flowers with you because as we know, planning wedding flowers can be so overwhelming for couples. So I'd love to give them kind of a roadmap to navigate the process. Oh, I would love to share all that information with you. The ones that I kind of share with my clients to kind of guide them because it could be overwhelming. There's so many great varieties of flowers. And of course, brides are only no you know, four different flowers, right? Hydrangeas, peonies, roses, and orchids. So besides that, they don't know much about, uh, unless they're a connoisseur or love flowers really intensely, then they know. Yeah, it's so true. There's just so many types of flowers, colors, styles, designs. So, you know, I guess to get started, what should couples think about before they even meet a florist? Um, there's a couple of things that they should take into consideration, you know, their overall budget, um, the season they're getting married, um, the questions they're going to ask, they, they should do research on the florist, uh, who they're going to, because, you know, there's different levels, um, and, uh, expertise uh you know like i've been in the business for 30 years so my expertise is like way up there and then there's obviously new people that come into the business that don't have the expertise or know the mechanics so it's all about the comfort level that you're okay with um you know you get what you pay for i always believe that Mm -hmm. um and i always think um Cheap is always more expensive at the end of the day because sometimes you have in your mind that you're going to spend X amount of dollars and then you realize that's not getting you much. So then you end up spending more. And so for me, it's about really having a transparent conversation with the bride and groom of like how many people they're having, what their expectations are, where they want to move forward, what, you know, like what areas do they want to concentrate uh, where the focal points are going to be. Um, and basically really is, um, you know, I always say like, if your, if your ceremony is only half an hour um, and, and your ceremony is the, is the key element, then deck that out. But if your reception is where you're going to spend the most amount of your time, like five, six hours of celebration, then I would suggest you keep your ceremony Uh, to a minimum or at least use things that you can repurpose back into the reception so that you're not making the double the effort and then you you're mindful and not wasteful of product and also you get more bang for your buck definitely yeah you've packed in a whole lot of great tips right there i think that's so smart and um you know before you even get to that first meeting with your florist, do you like it when couples have already kind of brainstormed ideas and went crazy on Pinterest? Or is it better to meet with the florist first before you start doing a lot of the brainstorming? 
Well, it's just a matter of a comfort level and like, you know, there's florists who are copiers and they just can mimic and, and duplicate work. And then there's florists who are actually creators and will give you kind of uh, better ideas than what you have for yourself. Because uh, like we said, what we see on social media and Pinterest is things that are popular and people are repinning it and it's gorgeous. But I never wanted to, if you've ever seen my body of work, I never really duplicate the work twice. I might take some parts of it and repurpose it and recycle it um, and reuse it. But I'm always one that likes to push the envelope a little bit and really dream bigger for the, for the client. I like a little bit of direction, but my inspiration really comes from um, the dress, the wedding dress. For me, that's everything, right? That already sets the tone and the mood for what feeling you want to go into. Because if you're drink, you know, if you have a mermaid dress or a really sexy dress versus a big ball gown that's puffy, so it's a little bit more royal, that kind of dictates a little bit about your sensibility and your style. And I always like to have, I design, like I'm designing movie sets. So I always want to see you, like I want to see the bride within that element. How does she fit within that dress? It's not necessarily what they want. It's, it's gearing them to the right direction because sometimes they come and they want a modern dress. Like they, they have a very traditional dress, but they want modern floral arrangements, which I think can work. But I also think that there's a sense of tradition and classiness and timelessness that I want in my weddings. I'm okay to be abundant and over the top, but there's a kind of refraining and pulling back just a little bit, right? That's where good design comes in. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, you know, I think that's kind of a relief for couples too. You know, they don't have the pressure to try to come up with all the ideas and bring them to you and request exactly what they want. They can rely on your expertise and the florist's own creativity to kind of make the vision come to life and looking at the big picture. So I think that's a really great point for couples who might be overthinking flowers, especially on the front end. Yeah, because what if you decide that you're picking out a certain flower that's not in season? Suddenly you're like, you don't know any better, right? You're not, you're not doing this for, uh, uh, for business or you don't know this really well. And suddenly you want peonies in the month of October when it's not available, you know? And who doesn't love peonies? I love peonies right. myself. And I want to give you all the peonies I can, but if they're not available, it's, you know, I, I can't talk to mother nature and say, hey, <laughs> I want peonies grown for me just for this wedding. So, but I always tell them there's always great comparable flowers um, that can give you that aesthetic, like ranunculus and carnations, believe it or not, look like the same thing as a peony because they're a very fluffy flower. It's how you use your material is where you get to, uh, um, I always say it's not the flower that we use, it's how we use the material that gives us the feel and the look, right? Because everybody's mm -hmm. so hung up on like, I want roses, I want hydrangeas. I'm like, okay, that's great. But let's kind of think out of the box. Let's try to do something a little bit different or add something to it that would change the whole aesthetic of it in a better way. Yeah, I love that. Now, when it comes to actually finding a florist, what's the best way to approach that? Um, I, would, I would reach out to them via email um, or you know, DM them on Instagram and see how fast they respond. Usually I always say, 
you know, maybe not these days, but usually a, about 24 hours to 48 hours is when they should call you back. If they don't call you back, you probably don't want to work with them because they're not on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, response, your quick response is always the best. Um, because, you know, remember, they're calling three other people or four other people. So they're, what they're doing is they're hunting and trying to gather information as much as they can. And as much as they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them right and people mm -hmm. don't know that so just the way the com the client communicates with you uh or the lack of communication like we have a client who sent out an inquiry we got back to them and said hey we don't do we don't get prices over the telephone we don't give quotes over an email i want to either you know if they want to come in if they're they feel safe to come into a one-on-one -on -one meeting in the in the studio or we can do a zoom call I want to get to know my couples. I want to get to know my brides. Seeing them and the way they they kind of hold themselves and the way they speak says a lot to me about them. And uh, the one that we reached out to hasn't even gotten back to us because we really nicely said, hey, we don't give quotes over the phone, but we'd love to get on the phone or like a meeting. And then we followed up again, I think two days ago and no answer, right? So this is probably a client that I don't even want to work with because what they were doing is they were catfishing or fishing for information because they don't know any better, but how can you really compare um, proposals when you don't even know what you're getting? The only way you can get uh, when you're able to compare is, is when it's apples to apples, but it's not apples to peaches, right? For me at mm -hmm. least. And so it's really difficult because I know what clients are looking for is the bottom line, but you want to explain all of that, what they're getting, because sometimes I look at proposals, unfortunately, from other people, which I don't like to do, but it's nice to look at, you know, they, they don't show me whose company it is, but they show me the numbers. And I go, guys, if you dissect this, you're actually getting much more uh, value for your money through us rather than you think you're paying less but you're also getting much, much less than what, what we're offering. So if you compare it to, uh, you know, if I take out the things that I proposed compared to the other one, we they probably might come out higher than we we are in the proposal. So it's it's kind of one of those things. It's 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 a very fine line of how to communicate with the client to uh, understand them. But because I've been in the business for such a long time, um, I think my reputation speaks for itself. So my, you know, we weed them out before they even come in. And I think that's really important because that first consultation is set for one hour, but they get so comfortable. They want to sit with me for an hour and a half to two hours because the environment that they're in, they're very um, comfortable and they feel that they can trust me that they don't feel it, they know they can trust me after the meeting. And I like to give a little bit away during the meeting, like a little bit of ideas here and there to tease them, but I don't give the full picture because I want them to be invested in me as much as I'm invested in them. Definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. And I love that you pointed out, you know, the proposal you get from one florist is not going to necessarily be the same you know, caliber of what you're getting from another florist, whether it's the type of flowers or the quantity of flowers, the size of the centerpieces. So what questions would you say are good to ask for couples that are maybe interviewing a few different florists? What should they ask to make sure that they're really comparing those quotes correctly? 
Um, the questions that they should really look at is they shouldn't look at bottom line. What they should look at is, you know, the credibility of the florist. I think that's really important because let's say for instance, um, you have a wedding for 300 people and you suddenly look at like the delivery and uh, setup fees are very minimal. And you're like, well, what are you coming in for with one person to set this up for a 300 people wedding? So there's a lot of risks that you're taking without having seen the full picture because, you know, the bottom, bottom line is people don't know. So they just assume that they're getting value. But at the end of the day, what if your guests are walking in and your centerpieces are not on the table? So I think more about like how many people are going to set up, you know, are you charging? Do you have insurance? You know, are you running through a studio? Are you running out of a home-based? Not, I'm not knocking home-based businesses, but I also feel like if they've invested, if the company has invested in them, it's okay for you to invest in them as well because there's some credibility there. Um, and I ask them questions like, ask them like what flowers are in season during that time? Um, have they written, been written up in magazines? Things that are gonna make you comfortable, you know? Like it, you're, they're gonna interview us as much as we're gonna interview them. So, um, you know, just vibing. I think you have to, you have to, in your gut instinct, your intuition tells a lot if you pay attention. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of clients that say, well, have you done a wedding at Hotel Bel Air? Of course I've done a wedding and several of them, right? So mm -hmm. they're like, well, let's take a picture of it. I'm like, but I want to show you things that we could possibly do for you, not what I've done before. So mm -hmm. there's little tricks. It gets tricky with clients because, you know, they'll ask us, like, what do your bridal bouquet start at? I'm like, okay, it all depends on what flowers you want. You want lily of the valley or do you want a rose bouquet that you can, you know, literally put together in like 10, 15 minutes, which shouldn't cost you a lot of money. And then there's garden roses, which are much more expensive than the regular roses. So there's all these minute little things that they, I think questions that they, they should ask is more, ones that are going to make them comfortable in using the vendor that they're picking. Really, that's the questions they should ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also their refund policies and how payments should be, like how does the payment plan work? What forms of payments are acceptable? Um, like I have a lot of friends that I know that take up 50% of the, uh, of the total amount but I don't take 50%, I take 25% for the initial retainer because I think what we work on is a working proposal. So after you've signed an agreement uh, and given us the retainer, it's a process. I adhere to your budget as much as I can, but I also give you options of upgrading. So we might not land at the price that you initially wanted, but it's your objective and your choice if you wanna upgrade it, right? because mm -hmm. they don't know any better. So you want to show them possibilities. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's great to point out how, you know, working with someone like you, you can actually change as you go along because, you know, like you said, most couples don't know anything about flowers. So what you think at the beginning is your budget and what you want could change dramatically once you get ideas and see all of the possibilities. Yep. And also you have to have an open mind, you know, flowers are very, they're expensive. They're not inexpensive. Um, and more so the labor to, you know, to produce that. Be, people don't realize how much work that goes into it. 
uh, the week of the wedding, we've already started, the flowers are coming in, they're being processed, uh, the containers are being made, uh, then we prep the, you know, the containers with greenery, and then the flowers, and then we add more flowers or we make adjustments during the, the wedding day, and then there's the pickup, and then, uh, you know, the strike of, of the event too. So we work seven days uh, for one wedding that people don't realize, they think that we just like, kind of clap our hands or snap our, our fingers and it's magically done. Um, so I think it's it's having the client understand the amount of work that you're going into so that there's a justification to why you're charging what you're charging because things are not inexpensive. We're getting more expensive, right? Like Exactly, yeah. You have all of the employees and staff that are involved along with all the fresh florals and definitely there's a huge cost involved in that. So that's good for couples to be aware of when they start seeing those budget numbers come back so that they're not, you know, wondering what that means or surprised about the numbers. And I think a really good party planner is one that is not on the favor of the vendors or on the favor of the client, is playing a neutral role of educating as well um, to their clients. Because sometimes, you know, the party planner or the wedding coordinator hears, you know, oh my God, these numbers are ridiculous. But like, and of course, if you if, if, a, if a, a wedding planner doesn't explain the actual like, these are the things that you need to get this done rather than getting a quote from somebody else and they're not giving you votives and they're not giving you this or they're not giving you those little extras um, that not necessarily is on paper, right? Because you want someone who's reputable that cares and is passionate about what they do. And you can usually tell during the meeting if they're passive and they're just listening to you, that's not a good meeting. They should listen to you, but they should also hear feedback from you. like dislikes and likes. I'm very opinionated and I'm, I'm okay with that because I feel like you don't go to an artist and you, and the artist listens to you a hundred percent. The, the artist listens to the feel that you want to create. And then you let the artist, you know, draw the canvas for you, you know, and that's what mm -hmm. we do. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such an, another comforting thing for couples. It's, you know, they're in your hands and they can just let you take care of the vision and the details. So you don't have to get so worried about taking that on yourself. So I love that about, you know, feeling comfortable working with a florist and knowing that once you hire a great florist, you can kind of just let them run with it. And that's one less thing that you have to be worrying about during your wedding planning. And look at there's sometimes there's beautiful seasonal flowers that when you're doing your mock-up two months or three months before, that flower is not available, but then the week of, or that two weeks before the wedding, there's a, a great variety of flower that fits within their theme. Those are the elements that I'm able to like, I want the freedom to be able to like, add those in there without having to like, call the client every five minutes. Hey, we're thinking about this flower, what do you think? Of course, they don't know how it's going to be used. So they're, if, 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 if it doesn't, I mean, if they remotely don't even know, they're going to be like, no, I hate it. I don't want it. But if you just have your clients trust you and know that you're going to give them much more, I think it's to your favor, right? It's not, it's not it, you know, you're being upgraded naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, when it comes to kind of thinking about all the different types of florals that you'll need for your wedding from bouquets to centerpieces, you know, there's a lot that you have on this kind of checklist. So can you give us kind of a quick rundown of every type of floral that you're going to need for a wedding? 
So I, I, I break it down into three or four sections. One's the personal flowers. So it's all the, the necessary flowers for the bridal party, if there is a large party or a small uh, party. Um, then I break it down to the ceremony, like what you need for the ceremony, whether it's altar flowers or a hoopah or a mandap or what the aisle is going to look like, what the entrance of the aisle is going to look like. Um, and then I go into cocktails. You know, what are you going to need for cocktails, cocktail arrangements and bar arrangements, maybe place card arrangement during the cocktail hour. And then the reception. Um, and then sometimes even, you know, events that we've done or weddings we've done, there's an after party after the re dinner reception. So that's a whole nother like possibilities of doing something quite different. So the wedding should look cohesive, but if you're doing an after party, you can do something kind of like off to the right completely that doesn't even match the wedding so that there's an interest of element like they're walking into a different space that they, you know, because you've, you've got a captive audience for five, six hours. You've got to keep them entertained. It's hard to do that. You know, people's attention span after dinner and dancing. Okay. They're like, okay, we've done dinner. We've done dancing. We've done drinking. And so what now? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I love how with after party, it also kind of gives you that creative license to go do something totally different, whatever you really want to do. It doesn't need to match the wedding style or the rules or what your guests are expecting you can just go crazy with the after party i think that's a cool i idea. agree yeah so any other tips that you want to share with everyone about you know picking florals or planning florals for a wedding oh god um i have so many advice that i can give you but you know we are limited on time i think i filled a lot of those voids that you know is really when you're interviewing trust your gut ask the right questions listen to your intuition, uh, don't second doubt, don't listen to a lot of people. People listen to a lot of their girlfriends or they start micro dissecting and looking at more pictures on Pinterest or Instagram and they don't realize some of those events th that are absolutely gorgeous, the budgets are so high that you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're in this bubble and then you know, I'm the person who probably pops that big bubble uh, because you need to come to reality of costs. I can produce it, um, but are you willing to spend it? Right. You know, so that's that's the biggest question I have. And really, I, I don't have a problem. Um, a lot of people have a problem having a conversation about money. I don't have a problem about having conversations with money because money, the budget, is how I could maneuver and get them to where they want to be with giving them suggestions and ideas how to get to that number to be achieved. Because if they're looking at over the top stuff, maybe we can reduce everything else and do candle operas and candles and little accessories and then concentrate on where the money should be spent. So there's always possibilities. So don't, don't think that's not possible. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I always suggest that you're about 20, 25, 30% of your budget, overall budget should go into flowers and decor because it's really important. Because mm -hmm. I think it's, I think flowers are like the dress for the bride. It's the dress for their space. It, it, there's no girl that's ever wanted to get married and hated flowers and never had flowers at their wedding to any caliber. 
So mm -hmm. you always dream of wearing that dress and you're always thinking of having this beautiful wedding. And what people remember the most is the visual when they first walk into the space. That it's, they're not remembering the, the alcohol you served and the food that you're gonna be eating or the music that you're gonna play, but it's the first initial like, you know, that's what gravitates you. And I think that's, you know, you need to focus on that if that's your priority. Yeah, I totally agree. I think decor is just the, one of the top things that you really need to think about with your wedding and florals are such a huge part of that decor. So I completely agree. So Eddie, can you tell everyone how they can get in touch with you? So the way they can get in touch with me, uh, with me obviously on all social media, media um, Instagram at eddiezaratsian.com. I have a YouTube channel that's eddiezaratsian. Um, there's Pinterest, there's, uh, you know, obviously my website, eddiezaratsian.com, uh, that shows you, we have a great blog that we do. There's uh, uh, great events that we've done. So the website is very key to us to keep always updating it and just showing fresh new stuff. There's a blog post, I just did a bridal shower that was kind of Gucci inspired butterfly garden. Oh, wow. um, and I was talking to the team to kind of, there's adjustments of wording and stuff like that, but it was so beautiful. But it's one of those clients that I kind of have a little conversation with, like about a half an hour conversation. I'm like, hey, what are you wearing? She's like, all white. I'm like, are you okay with colors? She's like, yeah. I'm like, are you okay with these colors? She goes, yeah. I go, are you okay with butterflies? She goes, yeah. I go, okay, great. I've got the idea for you. And she's like, are you going to tell me something? I was like, yeah, it's going to look gorgeous. And she's like, okay, I trust you. And then she walks in and she goes, you cease to amaze me all the time with your creativity. And I think when you're working with an artist, you want that wow effect. You want to be excited. You don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to give you everything away to you because if you know everything, there's no like that aha moment. Mm -hmm. really That's true yeah i love that you kind of let the bride be part of just like when the guests experience it for the first time when they walk into the door of the venue and just getting that exciting feeling when you see everything come together so i love that well, i like the, well, i like a surprise I'm, I'm i'm a big i i i tell them as much as i want to tell them but i i want them to trust me enough to manifest mm -hmm. something beautiful for them yeah absolutely well, good. Well, thank you, Eddie, so much. These were amazing so tips. I really appreciate you being here and sharing all of your great insights with everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And you have a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed these tips about how to hire the best florists. Now, don't forget, you can catch all of our podcast episodes over at transformyourwedding.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Rent My Wedding, your one-stop shop for event rentals. Order online and rentals are delivered right to your door. Shipping is free both ways nationwide. Rent lighting, backdrops, photo booths, and more. With the most five-star reviews in the industry, Rent My Wedding makes rentals easy and affordable. Book your rentals today at www.rentmywedding.com.